You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. There's a place here at the table. Your coats go by the door. You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor. I hope you wore elastic because your waistband's going to get tight. Take time. Hello, I'm Sophie, and I'm Ari, and you're listening to Having a Night, a podcast dedicated to reviving the lost art of the dinner party. Sophie, what did you eat this week? This week I had this amazing Brazilian fish stew that Ari made. Who did that? Guys, Ari made this brilliant, easy, delicious Brazilian fish stew. Cod was the fish. I'm not a big fan of like potatoes in a stew or in a soup. I know people will probably come after me with pitchforks for saying that, but like just not a big potato person. These potatoes were so good, so waxy, so perfect. She also made a romesco sauce that was to die for. Fish was perfectly cooked. It was cod and an aioli, perfect aioli, great rice. Basta. There you go. Oh my God. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm blushing. It was really good. It was a good meal. And I must say about those potatoes, we have had had them in a bag, in a brown paper bag, you know, storing them in the pantry. You don't need to refrigerate them. If you're doing that, take them out. But do not put garlic or onions or alliums in that bag because potatoes and onions and garlic, not friends. Yeah. So these potatoes were like little aliens. I was terrified as I was peeling them. They had like three inch purple spores growing out of them. Wow. Were any of them green? No. If they're green, don't eat them. What'd you eat this week? I went to one of my favorite restaurants, Peking Duck House. And there's just nothing like a duck in a pancake with some hoisin sauce. No, there's nothing like it. Period. Period. All right. This week... We have a really special guest on. Yeah, we have a really special guest, and it's kind of a different episode from what we usually do. My amazing friend, Patrick Monahan, who I've known since high school, mm. even in high school, I remember him having like such a fascination and such a deep knowledge of sort of these old hostesses of days gone by. And so we did such a fun episode talking about these fabulous women um, who used to throw parties and the ways that people used to throw parties and how sort of performance was like a really big part of it, not to mention attire. And this idea that kind of food came second. Yeah, different for us, for sure. Big learning curve. Big learning curve for us, exactly. And Patrick is such a wonderful character and so kind, so funny, so knowledgeable. And knowledgeable about a time period that I really love, but don't have that much knowledge of. Totally. Um, So I think this was a really fun episode. So listen and enjoy. The woman who I knew it was Tammy Grimes and her best friend Betsy von Furstenberg, who were great actresses, Broadway actresses, Betsy von Furstenberg. By the time I knew her, she was this fab hostess who would give parties in her living room overlooking Central Park West. 
And how, and how old were you? I don't know, 22, 23? Like, this uh, is my element. Well, no, I did. I was terrified. You, you walk into this enormous living room, and there is Eli Wallach, and Elaine Stritch, oh and Kitty Carlisle, <laughs> and Celeste Holm, oh and God. Ter- everybody you ever wanted to meet. But also, these people really took you under their wing. Tammy it's... made sure of them. Oh. Tammy said, you know, if Patrick wants to interview you, you will do it. Wow. And Tammy did all of it. And, uh, and Betsy helped, needless to say. She, um, uh, she'd give these parties. You'd walk in. You'd be given one drink, and then there'd be dinner, which was not fancy. It was a uh, buffet, and there'd be a braised piece of meat or roasted chicken or couscous or a veg. Simple. Uh-huh. Party, simple food. Mm-hmm. Everybody would have dinner. After dinner, you'd go back into the living room, and then the fun started. Because everybody who was invited from Eli to whoever knew they had to perform. Oh, wow. And everybody got up and did, and Eli would tell his favorite joke. Tammy would sing her favorite song, and everybody, and stupid me would get up, you know, terrified and and do whatever. Wow. And so what what was the average age? Well, I brought it down pretty far. Okay, so what was the median Wait, what, what did we say? Hard. No, what was the mean? What was the mean? Oh, Sophie. 70s, 80s? Oh, the, hold on. The mean means the middle number. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, like, what were most people? Were most oh, of them in their point. 70s at that point? 80s. 80s. Oh, my 90s. God. And just Eli was in his 90s. Having a fucking time. Having the best time. That's the only way. Smoking cigarettes inside? Take me there. <laughs> I don't think there were six, but I'll tell you Eli's favorite joke. Please. This is why when he died, um, they said, Vanity Fair, like, we have an obituary, but you have something personal to say. I thought, I thought and thought, three in the morning, I thought, I'm gonna, I think the best way to describe somebody is to describe their sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm going to tell his favorite truth, which was this. There's an old man who has a birthday, and his son sends him a present for the birthday, which is a hooker. And the old man opens the door of his house, and the hooker is standing there. And he looks at the hooker, and the hooker says, I'm here to offer you super sex. And the old man looks at the hooker, and he's like, super sex, super sex. I'll take soup. <laughs> and that was the joke that I would tell. <laughs> so good. And I wrote that because so that, that summed him up perfectly. perfectly. And this was this spirit of... Um, Parties, and it's funny because I knew I was going to do this with you guys. And I was talking to um, Zodi's daughter, uh, who who was at the parties too, and I said, "Why don't people give parties like that?" And she said, "I thought this was really interesting." She said, "Because we all live so much inside ourselves these days that we're nervous about contributing to the environment in that way and stepping out of our comfort zone to get a." And do whatever. Well, that's, we had a party here uh, several months ago, I guess, where one of our friends got up and did start to play the piano. Unfortunately, he basically played a funeral dirge. But, (laughs) but I mean, I think that is what you want the vibe to be is that people suddenly, the night explodes into, you know, into a ball of glitter, right? That it's like suddenly people do start kind of performing, holding court. But it's, it's a very different thing because those people that you're talking about, those are people who knew how to do that 
and we're not trained in that they these days. They grew up with it. Every house yes. in America had a piano in it. Right. Now every house in America has an iPhone in it with a pair of earbuds. And I'm right. not saying that disparagingly. I'm saying right. that you get entertainment and information almost intravenously. Yeah. So it's not, there's not that need to communicate from me no. to you. And you're not well practiced in like, exactly. yeah. Just well, here's a question. Skin. Did they also have a separate living room from the dining room? Yes. Because I think that can make a big difference in the differentiation of space, right? Because here we are, we're Mm -hmm. sitting, we're talking, but once we go into the other room, we know it's going to be something else. And whether that's charades or gathering around a piano, we know that there's going to be a different vibe. Yeah. It's like at a wedding. Yeah, it's true. Move into the reception area. But yeah. How do you achieve that if you don't have a separate lighting? Lighting, maybe. You're in a small, let's say you're in a small apartment, there's a dining table or there's a table. How do you turn that into a space for people to really feel unleashed? I think one way to get to encourage people to kind of come out of their shells is if you could kind of assign people like a character. I think if people feel like they're playing someone who's not themselves, it doesn't have to be a real person even. It's just like a version of themselves an alter ego or even like a drag persona, just someone who is not you. Then you can feel like after dinner, then I can kind of transform. So what if the space becomes like, maybe there's a place like we have a friend, Dustin, who throws these parties where everyone will wear a wig. Doesn't he? Yeah. Well, I have a different friend who does that. But like something you physically <laughs> transform yeah. yourself rather than the space maybe to kind of help you feel like, and now I'm moving into this other part of the night. Yeah. I, I kind of love that they idea. put a mask under everybody's table, <gasps> which has like a farm animal on it. Right. I don't know. Yes. Oh, my Are God. Yeah, I because know. I think what you're saying takes a lot of creativity. And yes. I'm trying not to give people that much credit. You know, yeah. something as simple as that. I also think sort of saying, I think you can do a lot of it with drinks as well. So, like. You have wine at dinner. Once dinner is over, the wine goes, and it's only martinis. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hard stuff. Yeah. Is it- <laughs> the other thing you could do is um, have them prepare something if people are nervous. Like, yeah. I watched the season of The Crown. I guess it's three right now or four. Not a clue. I'm on one. So on, in season three, there was uh, Helena Bonham Carter plays Princess Margaret. Mm-hmm. And she goes to see Lyndon Johnson uh, on a semi-official royal situation where she's trying to get the U.S. to help the U.K. And things are going at this party in the White House, apparently. Things are going really icily until she starts to sing. And because she apparently was a good singer, Princess Margaret. Uh-huh. But she also started to recite limericks. And President Johnson recited limericks. And suddenly they were having a ball, and suddenly the U.S. is doing exactly what the U.K. wanted to ask them for. So I thought, since St. Pat- wow. Patrick's Day is coming up, yes. you could, on your invitation, t- tell everybody to come prepare your favorite limerick. And after dinner, you go around the t- either you could have a little performance, or when the conversation is lagging, you point and say, Sophie, yes. it's your on. You know, you do your thing. I love that. Actually, my boyfriend gave my mom a book of extremely dirty limericks, the dirty the a better. vintage book of dirty limericks for Christmas. It's genius. Around, you know, as yeah. opposed to asking people to prepare things, because that can give people anxiety. Now, well, because what I was thinking is that it's so true. I know that the performance anxiety is on everyone's plate. 
that's a whole other kind of party. But you could say everybody brings something and then someone else will read your thing. Because I think that what gets into people's, what makes people nervous, I think, is the idea of actually having to perform something that they brought. Whereas if you gave someone else your poem and then they had to read it, I think there's a little bit less anxiety about that because then you're just reading. And then people who love to perform will really perform. People who are a little bit more nervous will really just read. And they can pass if they want. Yeah. Yeah. Put it under every plate. Yeah. Oh God, I love it. At the end of dinner, say, look under your plate. Part of why we have you here is because Ari and I, so when we started this podcast, we really wanted to do a whole deep dive on all of these old school hostesses, these fabulous parties that people used to throw, which you've already started to introduce. And then we realized that, well, we don't have the time to really research. You, on the other hand, are like a font of knowledge about all of these people and this time period when things were, things were just done differently. So we want to know everything. That you have so yeah. okay, so it's going to be a four-hour-long episode, everyone. <laughs> I think that people were more carefree then, in in a lot of ways. I think that the 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 person who really taught them how to do it was was Elsa Maxwell, mm-hmm. and she was this um, self-created woman who I think is is pretty much forgotten today by yeah. by most people. And a gossip columnist, right? A gossip columnist, a music, a songwriter, yes. a pianist, um, one of these people who really a jack of all trades. A crossover artist. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. A slashy, yes. right? Yeah. And she, she um, well, the way I remember, it was one holiday season about, I don't know, seven years ago. And I'd been to a slew of perfectly nice, but pretty identical holiday parties. Mm-hmm. I was having a drink with my editor, uh, Vanity Fair at the time, and I said, uh, these parties are a bore. She said, what's better? I said, Elsa Maxwell. She said, you know, tell me about it. So I started to, to look into her, and I didn't really know that much about her myself. <laughs> but I you knew what she had done, but I didn't know the backstory. And she was born in Keokuk, Iowa uh, in 1883, and went pretty quickly to San Francisco. She wasn't rich. She wasn't beautiful. If you look to look at the picture, she was sort of short, quite plump, big smiling face, the dream person you want to wrap your arms around you when you when you walk into a mm-hmm. crowded room. Uh, totally. And I mean, she was pretty tough when she wanted to be as a as a newspaper columnist. But anyway, she went to San Francisco and then New York, where she became a piano player and a songwriter in music halls in Boston, ended up in London. And I think in London, I'm not sure, but I think that's where she really became a hostess. And her first party, in case any of this sounds fancy, is um, was in a two-room muse house, which, okay, muse houses are fancy nowadays, but in 1920-whatever, it was really a garage. And she was in this two-room house, and she decided to invite um, one of Queen Victoria's granddaughters some lords and ladies, whoever they were, but also her friends from the theater, Noel Coward, Gertrude Lawrence, all these people. And um, after dinner, which was boiled sausages and hard-boiled eggs. Yes. Because that's all she, she spent $7 on the whole thing. Oh, my God. Her friends would get up and perform. And it was the greatest night anybody had ever had in a garage, ever, in 1920. Oh, my God. And then, and then it got 
you know, went from strict. She realized that she was much better at that than at songwriting or, or, or whatever. Else. Right. At bringing together and really throwing an evening. That's right. Well, and that's also the reminder that the food doesn't necessarily matter. That, no. of course, you want things to be delicious, particularly depending on how expert you are, you know, how, how good your culinary prowess is. But, like, if people are together and having a good time, they really don't care what's on their plate. I mean, no. don't let it be spam, but, but a hard-boiled <laughs> egg. <laughs> Mac and cheese goes a long way. To- right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so what, yeah. so from there she became, because she's written all of these books, right. and what was her general, like, what was her philosophy? Her philosophy, I love it. I, I wrote it down because I think that this is really good for anybody. She said, the best you can offer your guests is the unexpected. Yes. Yes. I should get that tattooed on me. Uh, and that's, that's it. And she, later on, when her career took off as a party planner, isn't the word. I think she'd probably hate that. Right. Um, but she went to Paris and started giving much larger parties. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them, because I love this so much, it was a come as you were when you received this invitation party. Oh, my God. So she sent, uh, and this, again, costs nothing. This is the point. She'd send out an invitation to one guest at 7 a.m. The next one would arrive to somebody else at noon. The next at 5, the other at midnight. So when the party came, somebody arrived in their pajamas, somebody else in their street clothes, somebody else in evening dress, and another person without his pants on. That's a party. You don't have to do anything. You're already in business. But that also requires the guests who are receiving the invitations to take the party thrower seriously. Don't invite them if they're not going to take it seriously. But our generation is obsessed with this idea of being chill. And so taking a party seriously as a guest is, is, I think, people frown upon it. Mm -hmm. And so instead of taking it seriously and saying, you know what? I am going to show up in my pajamas because that's exactly what the invitation asks. They'll sort of do a little bit of a nod to it without actually going full out. Yeah. And I think you have to say, I'm very serious about this. You know, yeah. you have to say in the invitation, I really mean it. Yeah. Well, maybe you have, to, you have to have like a bouncer. You have to have someone at the door who like won't let you in if you're not dressed appropriately. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, sorry. It's, you know, you need a jacket, no shorts, but like, it's like, are you adhering to the help? I just fell asleep while I was talking. <laughs> if you don't have a bouncer, you have a core group of friends who right. you know will take it seriously and will make the other people who don't take it seriously feel bad enough to go to the bathroom and take their pants off and say that I got this invitation at midnight. <laughs> well, people right. also need to have their horizons expanded a little bit and shown. Because I think if you invited, a, let's say you invite 10 people and five of them perform, the other five will suddenly see, oh God, that looks like such fun and being here yes. was so incredible that the next time maybe I will come prepared. It feels like anything I, mean, I wouldn't be prepared if someone invited me to their house and said, right. get up and sing a number. Well, I wouldn't come. You wouldn't? I'd be terrified. Absolutely. If I didn't know, the thing with the Betsy Von Furstenberg thing was you knew you were among people who were all doing it. You felt safe. Right. Right. But your first time, you were probably terrified. I was shaking in my boots. But that's what I'm saying is like, if five of the people are terrified and they don't do it, then the next time maybe right. they will. I you think know, it I takes, think it probably takes like three to five parties to really start get finding the groove. Yeah, there might be like magical on the first night, but I think it takes practice, and people have to be invited multiple times to feel like, oh, 
Sophie is serious, you know? Yeah. So who are some of the other famous hostesses of Days Gone By? Betsy von Furstenberg. Was one, but the other one who was the, um, in uh, Elsa Maxwell's time, was another creation. Um, Her name was Elsie DeWolf. She was famous as an interior decorator in New York. She was the first to uh, make rooms light and bright and get rid of all the Victorian heaviness. Ah. She started chintz as a craze. Yes. And and all this stuff. And she later on married uh, a man called Sir Charles Mendel, who was the French ambassador, the British ambassador in France. And so she became Lady Mendel. And she um, was another American in Europe. A lot of these people were Americans who were doing this. Uh, they escaped from, you know, Keokuk, yeah. Iowa. To, to find a bigger world. Yeah. And I think it's not by chance. She had a, 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 was completely different. Unlike Elsa Maxwell, she was rich. And she had a villa in Versailles where she would give fabulous parties for the Duke and Duchess of Windsor and all these people. And her mantra was cold room, hot plates, low table decoration. Oh. Cold room, hot plates, low table decoration. Low meaning little. Look, yeah, meaning don't oh. don't make sure nobody's got lilies up there. Oh, okay, okay. Not meaning few table decorations. Meaning like literally no, no. keep it low because no. it's so true. I hate having to crane my neck to yeah. see the person across from me. Yeah. And so she would she would do all of that. Also, Coco Chanel did that. I was thinking about Rosalind Russell, another Hollywood actress who came again. Uh, all these Americans. Rosalind Russell. Europe. They uh, she had lunch at Coco Chanel's um, atelier. In the Rue Cambon, she, you know, she designed the dresses downstairs, and then she lived upstairs. And she had a little dining room, and on the dining room table, Rosalind Russell said there was just a huge rock crystal and nothing else. Oh, so chic. That's low table there. Yes. You know, not in your face, but one big thing to look at if the conversation lags. <laughs> hey, look over here. I'm looking at this <laughs> beautiful pumpkin. Yeah. And now I was so intrigued by what you just said about Elsie DeWolf being another creation, because that also feels like it's certainly going on now because of course you can create yourself into anything on Instagram or on social media, but that was a very different style of things, right? So Elsa Maxwell growing up in Keokuk and then moving to San Francisco and probably buying herself a whole, you know, little wardrobe of clothes and becoming the person that she wanted to be getting it for free or right. And maybe changing her name and all of these things that used to happen. And it's such a, it seems like that used to be less frowned upon than it is now. Now there's the talented Mr. Ripley sort of because you um, can Google everything. Exactly. Right. And it's like, Oh, he's not really who he says he is, which is terrifying, right? right? Like it is scary to be with a person and you suddenly realize, Oh, you're, you, you, but lying is one thing, and living out the fantasy of the life that you've always wanted is a different one. But I'm news through party giving is fantasy. Totally. Yeah. That's what you're selling, and, you know, and, and experience yeah. another world. And I think you're a part of it as a host or a hostess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think she was just living that yeah. to the full. When you, these classic hostesses, if you go to a dinner party that you absolutely adore, how do you like the guests to be made up? Like, what's the sort of makeup of the guests? Age, age, does everybody know each other? You know, different walks of life. Like, what do you think is ideal? Well, first of all, I love that word that you use, classic. 
because I think that's what this is. It's not vintage. All these things that we're talking about, I think the underlying motivation goes on forever. Mm -hmm. People all want to go and have a good time, and they all want to relax and forget what they did on Thursday afternoon, and mm -hmm. they just want to... So it goes on. But I think at a dinner party, I always... I mean, I don't have a big apartment. I have six or eight people, and I make sure that two or three know each other already. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, and then uh, some strangers, not strangers, but people who don't know each other, and I always have one wild card. Somebody who is a complete loose cannon, who who will say something and do something and they'll laugh at it. Right. Wow. Okay. So, but how many wild cards do you have in your life? <laughs> because I feel like if I had to pick a wild card, I don't have enough that I could have a different one every time. So I'd no, always have the same wild card. But there's yeah. no like jo universal joker. I mean, a wild card. I mean, if you have a table full of people in the art world, you would invite somebody who, I don't know, drives a race car. Okay, right. Just someone different from the rest. Exactly. Okay, exactly. okay. It doesn't have to be like the kookiest person you know. No, no. someone different who also is maybe a tad extroverted. Yes. Who wouldn't be afraid to meet these people and talk to them. Right. Yeah. I personally, and I, I worry about this because I think you think that I'm not interested in food. I love to eat. But when I go to a dinner party, I personally don't think, oh, what am I going to try to eat tonight? Rather, I think, God, I hope I sit next to somebody wonderful. Yeah. Totally. At old-fashioned dinner parties, they often would, you'd all, everybody would switch for dessert, which they still do in England. I still try. I try to do that sometimes, yeah. have people switch, especially if it's like if you're going boy, girl, boy, girl. I think it's nice to have people switch so that, especially because then you can try to set people up. Exactly. Um, and at low pressure. Yeah, but also then it gives people a little bit of a breather from whoever they were with at dinner. Also, you must, you split couples up, right? Oh, God, who wants to sit next to? This is what boggles my mind, though, because I'll have, you know, I'll go to a wedding and all the couples are sat right next to each other. And I'm like, that's insane to me. Like, give yourselves a break from the person that you spend all of your time with and maybe talk to someone new. Yeah. Like, it's so, or at a dinner, at a dinner, oh, well, I would like to sit next to my husband. No, absolutely not. Why would you want to do that? Yeah. Also, even the shape of a table, if you look at the pictures of these great nightclubs of the 50s, the store club, El Morocco, all these places, round tables. Oh, it's essential. Never long. I know. And they, it's not by chance. This is why we love Chinatown. Yes. So true. I never thought about that. Yes. But I also feel that a round table is excellent until a certain point, and then it suddenly becomes problematic. What do you mean? Well, once if it's too big... I mean, past 12 mean people, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, then you yeah. can't then have a round. Well, then it might as well be at a long But wouldn't yeah. it be so amazing to have a round table where it's like 60 people around, but then it's cut out in the middle? So a donut table, a bagel <gasps> table, seat people inside? I need to, apropos donuts, I need to read this too. This is Elsa. Would that be incredible? I'm thinking about it. Yeah. And what if, and what if both um, the inside and outside were on rotating platforms? Oh my god! <laughs> I need to tell Wait, you about donuts. Tell us about donuts. I just need to. This is Elsa Maxwell talking. She said, "I wrote this down because I loved it so much." And the cover of her book called "The Lively How to the book is called How to Do It or the Lively Art of Entertaining." Yes. And she's dunking a donut. So this, I think, has resonance for her. She said, "I suppose it must be my lifelong devotion." to unseat riders of very high horses that accounts for my predilection for leveling devices at parties. 
games, contests, fancy dress are all great levels. No one, for instance, is going to stand on dignity while he's engaged in demonstrating his technique at dunking donuts into coffee, which was <laughs> the sole purpose of one of the parties with I can remember with pleasure. Oh, wow. Donut dunking party. Yeah. Anybody who takes Simple. himself too seriously. Yes. No one's going to be serious. Yeah. With a Krispy Kreme. No. It's true. Oh, God, I hope not. Oh, a Krispy Kreme. Sorry, now I'm lost in reverie. <laughs> oh God, I think these are such brilliant ideas. It would be great to throw a party that's just an Elsa Maxwell you know, celebration and kind of throw in some of the things that she loves or the things she'd cook to also just bring her back into modern conversation in the small circles that we run yeah. in, you know? Do you, are there any hostesses nowadays that you think are are trying to do this kind of thing? I uh, truly, I don't know. I wish I knew. Yeah. I don't know. I wish somebody like you two wonderful people. Oh, gosh. Take us. It's the, us. It's you. Do I know? <laughs> well, I know two of you. That was a trick question. That's right. I, I know two of you and you have to do it. Yeah. I just think a dinner party should be an escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From, from everyday life. It's got to be elevated. I think that's what Elsa Maxwell knew. Well, that's then a good a good question of, do you allow people to discuss politics, current events, these kinds of things? Oh, I think people, personally, well, I think people can discuss whatever they want to discuss, yeah. as long as they're in the spirit of whatever's going yeah. on. Well, because when you say it's an escape, I sometimes, you know, it sometimes feels like, oh, people come together and suddenly all anybody wants to talk about is how awful Trump is, which is totally valid. But it feels then, I guess, a little bit less of an escape from daily life and more like, well, but then maybe the purpose is just different. Sometimes then the purpose is for us to come together and to vent rather than to come together. and. <laughs> that's, well, that's the thing. Well, if, if you have a room full of people who are, say, in the theater, obviously somebody's going to tap dance. If you have a room right. full of people who are polit- political, the, the stuff is going to come up. Yeah. So, so I think it depends... There was, I think Elsa Maxwell said, in order to have an elegant party, you have to invite elegant people or mm-hmm. fill in the adjective that you want. Yes. Ooh, yeah. So in order to have a fun party, you have to invite, invite fun, fun people. It sounds so stupid, but it is no. so true. Well, I, I have to say, though, it seems to me that uh, the formula is to punctuate the evening by, you know, either acts of entertainment or, let's say, the limericks, the reading of the limericks, something, something to break up the potential, you know, political discussion that drags on for hours or like the actors venting about the industry. Oh. I think, or even even if it's just a song change, it, it suddenly conversations that could go on for two hours are only five minutes long because something occurs and a, a small event occurs which shakes up the atmosphere and then maybe you're sit, suddenly sitting next to someone else when it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. So kind of breaking it up into, into a series of short acts, um, I think is what she was doing, which is so genius as opposed to, I mean, how many dinner parties have you gone to, which you think, Oh, that was fun. Was it? Was that a night? Yeah. And that's just Cause there was no music. And then you were kind of just, you ate and then you sat on the couch and you talked to lovely people for hours, but it, nothing kind of happened. I think it's the guest's duty to contribute. And yes. it's the host's duty to create the environment. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think if I go to a dinner party, I think to myself, okay, if I'm really sitting next to a thumping board, what am I going to talk about? And I have at least one or two things in my head that you could just go yes, with and, yes. and run with. So that's your job as a guest. Don't show up thinking, oh, entertain me. Absolutely. Me. Uh, 
But on the other hand, the host has to frame that in the right way. Yeah. There was, I just remember there was a host in England who used to, at the end of every dinner party, he would teach, wonderful old man, would teach everybody how to fold their napkins into a hat. Great. Which he called a Highland fling cap. I'm looking and, it up immediately. And, and, um, and, and how even the most self-conscious, serious person is not going to be so serious or self-conscious with a, with a folded napkin on their head. Completely. And that's easy. That's what they're on. The, I mean, assuming you have cloth napkins, maybe you don't. But if you do, yeah. that's a prop that's ready to go. Yeah. Props are oh, essential. my God. Yeah. I think this was so Just fabulous. Me. And oh my, I'm, I'm very inspired me right too. now. Well, we need to give a St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Well, let's make a pact. The Limerick let's do pact. It. Let's make a pact. I've got my calendar right here. We, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's a date. Great. Me too. Let's do it. Okay, and I love that. we can maybe recap it on a later episode. Yeah. Let's do it. I like the idea of each person gets a limit, and you choose. Oh, this is too good. Listen okay. to this. The, the really dreary people get, not the dreary, but the real sort of serious ones get the really dirty limericks. Okay. Under their Great. plates. Okay. The, the quieter the person, the dirtier the Perfect. Okay. Great. Under the plate. We're on. Done. Thank you so much for coming oh, on. Boy, this was like you. a real treat. Truly. This is so different than anything we've done. I'm so excited and filled with inspiration. I yeah. This, well, I think there's so little humanity in the world. I think somehow a Highland fling cap or whatever can give us a little bit of humanity. Back. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Wow. What a doll. I'm so excited we get to throw a party with him. I know, me too. Oh, I was looking in my closet yesterday and I was like gonna put together an all green outfit and I was like, oh no, I gotta save this for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I can't wait, I have a green <laughs> suit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Pix will be on our Insta. Yeah. So remember to rate us, give us five stars, send us a DM, show us pictures of your uh, St. Patrick's Day dinner parties. And we'll see you next week. Thank you to Colin, our editor, Rebecca, our producer, to Ad Large, to all of you guys. Go out there and have a night. And thank you to Patrick for joining us. Oh, yes. More from Patrick later. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.